Shahidi and this is episode three of a podcast that still has yet to be named. This podcast has been recorded from the 2014 Web Summit, a huge 20,000 strong tech event in Dublin, where this year saw an edition of the Sports Summit, a stage set in a Spiegel tent where everything from sports tech to social media to stats to fan engagement was discussed with an assortment of guests, big names and small, small crowds and large, and I was there for the two days. So I'll give you a quick rundown over the next 20 minutes or so of the kind of experience it was. the Sports Summit uh, a number of months ago when Marco Tool contacted me from the Web Summit saying they were thinking of doing something along these lines. He knew that I had an interest in the area and had been to other similar conferences around the world. And I said, yeah, that sounds good. Make it happen. And credit to Mark and Brian Curran, they have. They, my impressions from the two days initially, they've pulled it off. There's room for improvement, but it was something that I think a lot of people enjoyed. And judging by some of the crowds at the events, they'll have to make this a little bigger next year. It's something that sits off the main conference very, very well. There's a lot of money in sports tech. There's a lot of interest in it from people who are either are in the tech sphere or perhaps the corporate sphere who might already be at an event like this and maybe just want to prove that they are a more interesting company by getting involved in something. It started off on Tuesday morning with uh, David Epstein giving, I suppose, the, the keynote presentation, which delved into some areas that if you've read his book, The Sports Gene, um, you'll have been a little familiar with. A new thing towards the end, which I found particularly interesting, was the research that he's done, or that he presented. Kids in big cities are more, are more likely to specialize in sports at an earlier age. And the funny thing about this is, is that they end up not being as likely to be a sports star. Your small town sporting hero, who's more likely to have grown up playing you know, two-way football on, the, on their local American football team, playing both in attack and defense, as well as on the basketball team and on track and the baseball team, because there's only maybe 30 or 300 kids of his age in the area, he is more likely to become a star when he gets into his 20s. For I, I've in the past said that I, my gut feeling has been there's a natural advantage perhaps in Ireland in having so many team sports available to kids at such a young age, that be it soccer, rugby, Gaelic football and hurling, that seeing research like this kind of made me happy. There's no evidence that this works in Ireland as well, but certainly there's certainly uh, there's a feeling there in my gut anyway when I was watching that being presented that maybe we have something here that we should use. about the disparity in coverage, funding, sponsorship, you name it, the disparity between men's sport and women's sport. That was something which it probably was self-evident even among the speakers. There were 33 sessions at the Sports Summit over the two days and by my count in the schedule there were only four females due to speak. 
So maybe there was another little echo of what is a topic that comes up a lot, be it just talking about panels at a conference um, in, in almost any field, uh, but also on Sunday morning radio, for example. There's more women needed and perhaps more media coverage needed of the efforts and what Emily Glenn was saying that a recognition that it's not just women who want to watch women, it's also men in vast numbers who enjoy watching women's sport, women speaking, anything like that. I suppose one learning point which I'd have had over the two days. Uh, at least a learning point for perhaps they who would set up a similar summit next year, is that there are always companies who they need to take care of, to give a presence on a stage. This is how part of the, the conference business model works. But if you're there in the audience, it needs not to be so much like an ad. And certainly one thing which I would, I would prefer not to see again is the playing of a TV commercial on the screen in front of you. That's not really what people come to these things for. They come for informed debate, uh, insight, entertainment also. But one person up there showing a presentation or one person up there showing a commercial, as I mentioned, is not the sort of thing we want to see. You can do this if you do it in a, in a slightly different way, by instead of having a break in the schedule for a lunch or a, an afternoon pause, put it in then. Make it the equivalent of a television ad break. We're used to those. We don't mind those. And if you declare it more and you know make, make a bit of a thing about it, maybe that might stir the interest a little bit. But it's a small point. They're going to get on the panels anyway, and they'll plug whatever they want to plug. That's how it works. That's the conference game. And if they're entertaining and offer some insight and maybe something that you haven't seen before or read before or heard before, then that's okay too. So I mentioned earlier about the, the difficulty with having people on stage who are there purely to plug the product. Well, that can work in two ways. One, you can have the, I suppose, the not interesting bit, playing a commercial that doesn't really engage. And then you can have someone who comes over from, from New Zealand, small company, trying to do something really interesting about concussions. Not the most assured presenter I've ever seen, but Ed Lodge, a uh, former, uh, former rugby player with their company CSX, they've developed a small chip, a small accelerometer about one centimetre by two centimetre by a half centimetre in depth that they tape to the person behind the ear. And that measures how fast the head's motion accelerates both forward and back and also, and importantly where concussion is concerned, the rotational uh, acceleration. Now this can be used for a number of different ways. They're doing work with the Auckland Blues and with Wellington on this in terms of getting, getting real data. What they want to do is to bring it into a children's market to help signal to the sideline maybe there's something here that should be looked at. They were very, very clear both during the presentation and afterwards, myself and his colleague, when I talked to them, that this was not a concussion diagnosis tool. This was simply to, to 
help to provide more data to maybe have a bit of a signpost to someone on the sideline that maybe you would want to take this guy off for a second just to to check them out and that might be a 13 year old it might be a 23 year old it might be a 33 year old and then all the data that is actually collected if there is a concussion that someone has to go to get to go to a trained medical person to, to get checked out well maybe that data can be passed on to the doctor so they can use the data use the information recreating the I suppose the injury mechanism that led to the concussion to that brain essentially a brain injury I thought it was very interesting, judging by the number of questions that came from the audience immediately after that presentation, so did a lot of people. Last on Sports Summit Day 1, but by no means least, was the Financial Times journalist Simon Cooper interviewing Bill James. Bill James, as most of you listening to this podcast will probably know, is a fairly big noise in the world of sports statistics and anything related to that field. And the room, the Spiegel tent, was, was pretty full. He's a kind of a, a lumbering figure, if you've never seen him in the flesh. He slopes along, I suppose would be the term, gruff, bearded, a little bit of an ornery side to him, I'd say, if you rubbed him up the wrong way. And Cooper started out pretty much by saying, you are a contrarian. And uh, I think he lived up to that. It was a really good half hour discussion rummaging through, I suppose, how Bill James felt about being on the outside and then going into inside baseball. How he felt about not being able to write about baseball anymore, which I think, certainly for, to my eyes watching, I think that's something he is sad about, that he can't express his views and his feelings about players so readily and easily as he could in the past about the game he loves. And he makes up for that now by writing about different subjects. He's published a book about murder. And as Cooper probed him on a little bit, you know, the, the statistics on murder, it's almost like murder analytics. And right now he's working on a, a book about a 100-year-old crime, a horrible crime, he described it as. I don't think people will have been disappointed by it. I think it was engaging conversation by a, a very smart journalist interviewing a very smart man. And that's what, that's what sports summits need, that's what a sports conference needs. You need people to do their homework and to, to be ready to have a real conversation. There were moments in the chat between Cooper and James where you could see Bill James searching for a word and because, because people were clued in and engaged, you could hear a pin drop. That's good conversation, that's a good panel. And it was a very good ending to day one. So when it came to day two of the Sports Summit, I had my work cut out for me because Simon Cooper had done a fairly good job. And it was my turn to have Bill James on a panel the following morning with Sean O'Connor from Statsports, who are an Irish company specialising in GPS units, uh, be it to rugby teams like Leinster, 
soccer teams, I think they've got 15 of the English Premier League teams and they've, I think, got seven, maybe eight, that sort of number of NBA teams in the States. And alongside Sean and Bill was Tony Strudwick, who's the head of Atlantic Performance at Manchester United. And he's been there for a few years now, was involved in, the training, in setting up the training facility at Carrington and has been under a few managers in Sir Alex Ferguson, David Moyes, Louis van Gaal, and also has worked with the English national team. So it was a good cross-section of perspectives on, as was the panel topic, the value of statistics in sport. There was a reasonable crowd, I hope it was entertaining. Uh, I certainly enjoyed it as the moderator. I certainly found it fascinating that there is a panel like this with some decent calibre names being being held in Dublin, in Ireland. It's not something which previously I'd have had to go to somewhere like the Sloan Conference in Boston, which is a, a very different beast, but a far more mature beast. And having a panel like that in Dublin gave me real real hope that maybe if this thing go, goes well, is there a European version of Sloan on the cards? Well, maybe this is it, but it's certainly a reasonable start. The biggest crowd by far at the Sports Summit over the two days was for Rio Ferdinand and the crowd actually started to build a couple of sessions before he was due to speak. He was being interviewed by ESPN's Jeremy Schapp who'd come over to the occasion and uh, Schapp had been interviewed the previous day himself by Jer Gilroy. Schapp spent much of the time talking to Ferdinand about how he'd used social media to help, to help change his image a little. Ferdinand said that when he first came on the scene, perhaps because he was from Peckham with the, the Del Boy influence, then he was seen as a bit of a wide boy. And he wanted to use social media to help transform his, the perception of him as a person. So he did things like, you know, tell people he's going off to do the schoolroom. I said, well, he'd get replies on Twitter saying, do you not have a chauffeur? And he'd go, no, I do the schoolroom. And he'd do a similar thing by saying, I'm going to get the train somewhere. He'd get the train down to London, for example. And people would again get onto Twitter and, and say, hold on, do you, do you not fly? I said, well, no, I get the train. I get the train on my own. It's the quickest way. But, you know, he goes first class because he's got cash. But it was an interesting uh, exploratory discussion in how someone's using tech. Because Twitter is tech. Social media is tech at its heart. It's a communications tool, but it's enabled by technology to change their lives. Because now, because of that change of perception, Rio Ferdinand feels that he can now go work in the media. He is a BT Sport brand ambassador now, and he reckons that that would not have been possible had he not used social media in the way that he did. David Epstein, the Sports Summit is now closed. It was the first time that the Web Summit, now up to 20,000 people, has added a sports stage to this. Um, David, you started off with a talk yesterday morning. You closed interviewing Tony Hawk. Uh, you're, you're a big star here. Yeah, no, I'm ha I'm, I'm ha it's a really unique event. I'm happy to be here, and I think it being the first sports summit here, it seems like a natural fit to me because I think people are increasingly seeing the overlaps between high performance in sports and high performance in other areas of the world, and I'm happy to feel like a little bit of my work uh, might be facilitating some of that discussion. 
I was really interested in one aspect in particular of your talk yesterday morning, which was, uh, I suppose, the argument against early specialisation in sport. In Ireland, we have a lot of major team sports which are played at the same time. So growing up, a kid might have the opportunity to play rugby, soccer, Gaelic football, hurling. You mentioned that in big cities in the US, early specialisation can lead to, I suppose, not being a star. That's right. Could you expand on that? That's right. So, so early special. So, if if you want the best ten-year-old, early specialisation is good, right? But if you want the best twenty or twenty-five-year-old or thirty-year-old, it actually turns out what the sports science says is that that a budding athlete should engage in a sampling period where, first of all, while their brain is still flexible or pruning neurons, basically up to the age of twelve, they need to gain a broad range of athleticism. And then after that, they can start to focus in, but they need a sampling period where they look for the different activities that fit their physiology and their psychology, and you don't want them to be overcoached. You want to teach them the way they learn language, where when you want a baby to learn language, you toss them in, they're immersed, they strive, and only later do you teach them explicitly the rules of grammar. With specialization in, in youth coaching, we've reversed that, where we teach explicitly first, and only do they, they only play in competitions later, and that's actually the worst way to learn a skill, the slowest way to learn a skill, because you don't learn it with these automated or implicit parts of your brain. And so this trend toward hyper-specialization, toward, toward teaching kids in a professional manner, actually causes them to hit early plateaus in skill development. Um, and, and we've seen this trend in a big way in cities in the U.S., and the result has been that those that pro athletes just don't come out of cities anymore in the U.S. There's a, a similar theme I heard from from a, a researcher in Holland, sorry, a coach in Holland, who said that his research had told him uh, that players who specialize in football only at such a young age, sorry, soccer, um, they're more likely to get injured than someone who played a lot of sports growing up because there was more muscles getting used to being moved in funny ways, their overall balance was superior. Is this something that you hit upon when you were doing this research? Yeah, and that's that's that issue of the support muscles being strengthened is, I don't know if anyone knows of 100% that's the reason, but um, it's clear now, it's been repeated, that there's some protective effect of playing multiple sports. So there was just a great uh, study out of Chicago tracking thousands of youth athletes over several years, and the ones who specialized early quit other sports to do one most of the year. We're showing up with these adult injuries that used to be confined to adults, stress fractures in the back, torn ligaments in the elbow, things that will impair their athletic career forever. Right? And interestingly, one of the highest predictors, specialization was the top predictor of suffering an adult-style injury, and the next one was family's income, because only the families that were well-off could afford year-round specialization and traveling and private coaching. So it's like a health epidemic that hits wealthy families, which is really, really unusual. And some of the kids who weren't specialized were actually spending more hours in sports overall. They were just diversifying. So it wasn't an issue of spending less time playing. It was just diversifying what they were doing. Last question. You said before you like Ireland. Yeah. Will, you, will you be back? Absolutely. Absolutely. Some of my favorite, in fact, probably my favorite writers, the Irish playwright Martin McDonough. And I still have some areas where some of his plays are set that I need to see. Excellent. We look forward to having you. Thanks very much, David Epstein. Thank you. So that's been the little runaround of the, the Web Summit 2014, covered by someone who was at the Sports Summit for a couple of well-spent days. I've done a walking around so you can maybe get a, a sense of the atmosphere, both inside the event itself, in the Web Summit as a whole, and then around afterwards. That was me walking back from Herbert Park after grabbing a bit of, bit of grub at the Food Summit, one of the other offshoots of the event. 
So well done to all concerned. It's a great start. Hopefully they can build on this and make the sports summit a real destination event for anybody into sports stats, sports tech, and look, just sitting down and listening to interesting people, hopefully saying an insightful and interesting things about the sports that we all know and love. I'll talk to you next time.